the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. 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 Oh, Mr. Dot Commer on WEI.com. Okay, this time uh, centered around the draft and the running backs. We brought back Chris Scheim from the Gresham Keep Show once again, as he did a great job last week with the quarterback. So we brought him back for the running backs. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Glad to be here. Can't wait. Did he say great job? Yeah. I, said, I said great. Yeah. He had, a, he had a good take. He had Kyle Trask ahead of Mac Jones. It's true. He had a take. <laughs> it was okay. a good take, Andy. That's, that's it was an energetic good. take. That's good. That's you had I'm passion. Doing. You're not afraid to sort of stick with your guns. I like that. Good All take. Right. Eh, debatable. And so, I'm not like Cowherd where I just say stuff out of my butt. I actually back it up or at least try to. Right. And then the next day say more stuff out of your butt in a different direction. Exactly. But that's, that's good, though. We like people to have takes and stick by them and, and actually defend them. Correct. So, uh, Patriots running backs, they have right now on the roster, Sony Michelle, Damian Harris, James White's back, and J.J. Taylor. I think that's all of the depth chart. And then Rex Burkhead, still unsigned, but coming off ACL. So yeah, Looking good. Rex Burkhead on the, uh, what do they call that, the shred mill, the third <laughs> shred mill yep. the other day, running. So, wouldn't, I mean, his relationship with bill belichick they share an agent certainly wouldn't be stunning to see him come back on a deal did you mention brandon bolden brandon bolden i forgot about him oh he'll return from the covid list right or yeah i think Andy, didn't you have him as like a surprise could be a cut you didn't say surprise right it just could be cut <laughs> just could be cut <laughs> just could be cut yeah okay so just real quick as we assess that they have good not great depth I would say, um, because both Sony Michelle and Damian Harris, good young backs that finished strong last year, both have injuries, histories. Both have spent a lot of time on IR. Rex Burkhead, as you mentioned, A, not really on the roster right now, but even if he is, coming back from the ACL. James White, durable, but he's your pass catcher. So they have kind of have depth, but it's certainly not the best room in the National Football League, like Mike Tannenbaum said a year ago, or whatever the hell that was. Um, and even if those guys are good, you kind of have some decisions coming because Sony Michelle, uh, fifth year option decision. And yeah. then you have already, I mean, it doesn't feel like it, but Damian Harris is going to be in his third year. And as a mid round pick, you only got one year left on that contract. So you're kind of using up the life. Deal. Right. So you're using up the lives of those, the lives of those um, rookie deals and those cheap, inexpensive running backs. So I guess what I'm, I'm using that to say, while it may not look like they need a running back now in the year too early world of Bill Belichick or one year in advance world of Bill Belichick, certainly they could use a running back. I also think it matters too that we've noticed that Belichick has this thing where he loves to redshirt his running backs. Like, so like he'll draft a rookie, he'll stash him for a year and then he'll actually start getting playing time after that. So like if, if he were to draft a running back late, like this may be the perfect opportunity for that as after that redshirted year, guys might start leaving. Oh, that's a good point. We saw it with all these guys, Shane Marine, James White, Damon Harris, all those, all these guys. So definitely, I think you're right. The running back position might not seem like a need, but then when they pick one in round three or round four, you're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And so, yep. if, I mean, depending on whether J.J. Taylor has a future or not, was he redshirted? I mean, the guy on a pure touch basis was maybe as exciting as any Patriot a year ago. He just didn't really do anything. And well, he's tiny. Low, low bar. 
No, no, no. I know. I'm just saying, like, he, he showed burst in, you know, desire. And he's just tiny. I don't know what the long-term future for him could be. But the, the pass catching back with James Harrison, I mean, James White on a one-year deal and J.J. Taylor having really done nothing, if you're looking at a more immediate need, it might be the pass catching back. Because we all know Agreed. you can always find a veteran regular running back, traditional type running back. Um, in free agency, they're sort of interchangeable around the league, those journeyman veteran types. Um, but yeah, so I, there's a there's a need, but not maybe an immediate need. And that's one of the things actually I noticed about this particular draft class is it seems like there's a lot of those guys that would fit that third down back uh, kind of, you know, value or, or frame because they just, I don't know what it is. Like, I feel like colleges aren't producing three down backs anymore. Like, or at least it may just be this draft class and it just may be like looking at it, but like more than half of them feel like third down backs are just rotational guys. All right. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, part of it is so many colleges use a lot of running backs mm-hmm. now where there's two, three, now some of them at a high level, like North Carolina, where you end up with two prospects or sort of, I guess, Alabama, the pipeline that's been producing high level running backs. But, a lot of colleges use two, three, four running backs. I mean, it's sort of – I mean, it's a bigger picture question and discussion. Shime and I were actually texting how we like watching running backs. We're fans of the position, but the position is not one that people really get excited about or invest in. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll find a running back. And there's good ones out there, and the one you find will be good. And, you know, I joked to him, some mid-round guy you talk about could be a fantasy stud next year and a thousand-yard rookie. It's just – no one gets all that excited. There's a lot of names, a lot of athletes, a lot of – and some, so much of it is system and offensive line. And I mean, you look at a guy like Aaron Jones came out of UTEP. Like, you yeah. just – you find random running backs that just have this skill set that just all of a sudden transfers into the NFL. And if you're in the right system, you end up in a Kyle Shanahan system, and it's like, boom, all of a sudden you're a stud. Like, it just kind of happens for you. So, so I, what does this group look like? Like, is this a good class, a bad class? I think it's a good class, personally. I think there's talent to be had um, throughout the, the class. I think there's some guys that are going to go a little later that could be absolute studs. And then you have the two guys that are the most interesting because they probably could have come out a year ago and been relatively high draft picks um, in terms of Najee Harris at Alabama and then Travis Etienne from Clemson. And they both went back, and I think they're both going to be borderline first-round picks, you know, somewhere between 20 and 35 or 40 in the draft. Um, Harris obviously had a great year in a great offense for a great team with a great quarterback and great offensive line and, and all of that. I mean, I think he's, he's an interesting guy because he is huge. He does kind of catch the ball. You know, Shime talks about a three down back. I mean, you could talk yourself in, into him being a three down back mm-hmm. in the NFL. And then Travis Etienne, I actually thought didn't have a great year overall but one of the things he improved on and worked on was clearly his pass catching ability. I, and I feel like they even probably probably could have researched this. I feel like they even um, allowed him to do that. It seemed like they split him out wide more and gave him maybe some opportunities to showcase some of those abilities. I think even the BC game, he had a bunch of catches lined up in the slot and out wide. Um, so I think both of those guys are interesting in that the buzz might be not quite as high as it could have been with them, but they both are good prospects. Yeah, I feel like this is a solid class, but it doesn't have any any of those like top end talent 
prospects like like your Saquon Barkley's or your right. Ezekiel Elliott's. Like it just doesn't. And I don't even know if we're ever gonna have that for a while. Like it, just because of the way the running back position is valued now, I don't know if we're gonna see that uh, anytime soon. But I do think for sure Najee Harris and uh, Travis Etienne are definitely top of the class. I I really I love the way Etienne runs. Um, but I think Harris has the tools to be a better back in the NFL. Um, like ETN just, he's only had, I saw the stat. He only had more than 20 carries in a game twice ever. His entire career. Which, yeah. in his entire college career. And this is a guy who played, I'm pretty sure he played all four years. So like, that's a weird stat to have. If you've played four years of college football and only had more than 20 carries twice. That's probably um, a good thing for NFL teams that he's not overused and, you know, he has a lot of carries over his career. Yeah, but it's, so it's just it, – it's weird, though, just like the volume that he gets on a per-game basis. Um, the, the way I comped him, I tried – what I tried to do with the running backs is I tried to get like a good kind of comparison for every guy. And the guy I comp ETN to is like Chris Johnson type. Like he – in the open field, like he flies. He's quick. He has great vision. Um, he's not like – He's not just – he's not like Tyreek Hill fast, but like he's, he's, he's fast enough and he's super slippery, right? Like all those arm tackles, he just shakes them off. Like right. I, the way he lowers his shoulder as the guy's trying to wrap him up and they just fall off of him is, is kind of impressive. Um, he, I do think that he did a better job of improving his pass catching this year because in previous years he's been known to drop passes, wasn't the most reliable, uh, and they did a good job helping him do that. So – I think he is below Najee Harris in the idea of being that three down back. But I think personally, I think Etienne's the most exciting between the two. I mean, he might have a little, just to go back to the Patriots, we've heard endlessly from Ivan Fears that, oh, Sonny Michelle can catch the ball. He just, you know, we got a special one in James um, White. James White, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I just had a secondary. You ever have second thoughts jump into the first thought and you haven't finished the first oh, yeah. thought? Anyway. All um, the time. I think that's who ETN is. Like, could he catch the ball? Yep. Can he catch? Yep. Is he going to be special at it and like a true pass catching back? Probably not. I also, in a different way, I agree. I, I wrote one step away at all times. Like, he's always one step away from breaking every play he has. And you're right, not in a Tyreek Hill fashion, but just in a really productive running back uh, kind of fashion. So I think everybody agrees those are the top two. I actually think Najee Harris will probably go first because of, a recency bias and what he did last year. But I think if you get one of those guys, especially if you can sneak one of those guys in the second round, I think you're more than happy with the selection. Um, the guy I want to talk about, because my quote, quote unquote on my sheet here is my kind of back um, is Javante Williams out of North Carolina, 220 yes. pounds. Like this is the kind of guy that I like to watch play. Like I just flat out like to watch guys like this play. And I know he split time with Michael Carter. They had sort of the two-headed monster there. Um, put up silly – was that the last game of the year where they, like, embarrassed Miami? They yes. put up, like, 500 <laughs> yards, like, 200 and 300 or 300 and yep. 200 each. Like, just stupid old school, like, turn back the clock to 500-yard rushing type days. Um, but he's a guy that I would legitimately, in the middle of the draft, if the Patriots took him, like, second round, get so excited. And other people oh. would be like, eh, he's a running back. They draft him. Who cares? I want I want this guy so bad. So this is I, – I texted you earlier, too, that I had this guy that I just loved, and I would hope he might get to the third round because yep. that's where I think Belichick would snag him, and this is the guy I want. Javante oh. Williams, he is the definition of explosive. 
The yep. way he comes out of a cut is awesome. Like I compare that, like the way he explodes, like accelerates out of a cut is similar to how Adrian Peterson did it. Like, like at his prime, the way he hits the cut and then blasts out like with top end speed is so much fun to watch. He hits that hole so hard. He's a pretty decent receiver. He's not like, I mean, I think he, again, another guy that probably can catch, but won't be asked. Yeah. But won't be asked to do it a lot, but like, He's not afraid of physicality. If he oh, sees I a love safety, that about him. he will go. He will go shoulder down right through you Finishes. if he needs to. Finishes will... runs. One of the things we've always talked about with Sony Michelle that inability to finish. Although he showed it a little bit late last year, uh, Williams is the guy that definitely finishes runs. And you're right, he's explosive. And what I it's it's like one time. You're like he's like okay. I'm going to pick one of these and then I'm gone. It might be right. It might be wrong. If it's wrong, I'll try to run through somebody. If it's right, I'll break an arm tackle and go the distance. Like a little bit like Brandon spikes when he played linebacker, like I'm going to pick one of these holes and I'm blowing somebody up. Might be the ball carrier, might be a blocker, might be my own teammate, but I'm hitting somebody. Well, I actually watched a video of like an interview with him and he talked about playing linebacker in high school and how it was like, it set him up for not being scared of physicality. And, I love and- it. And I think the one thing that does help him in regards to being a pass catcher too is the way I watch him, he understands the spacing necessary, right? So like the quarterback gets flushed out of the pocket due to a natural rollout or, or pressure. And he just, he finds the open space. He sees space between the linebackers. He speeds space in the zone and he goes and he just sits there and he waits and he understands that and gives his quarterback like a good option, which is really valuable. Like it, it shows the vision and intellect on like on a per play basis relating to the Patriots does is he better than Damian Harris um I think so but I like Damian Harris too I, I mean too. I, I think they're probably similar like I think both guys are thousand yard backs in the NFL if they don't get hurt the right season whatever I don't think either guy is necessarily like an 1800 yard back in the NFL and you know, with the they, Damian Harris finishes runs too, and that's probably why he's dinged up and, and has some physical issues. It's it's a tough way to play. You don't have a long career doing things that way generally. So, I would say they're probably similar. And Damian Harris was a thousand yard back out of a good program that went in the third round. So, and, and split time shared the load for Alabama, just like um, Williams and Carter shared the load for for North Carolina. So, it's probably they're probably kind of on equal foot. If you maybe pick one right now it would be the shiny new object and I would yes. boot Damian Harris, who I used to love out the window. And I'd say Javante Williams, step on up. Agreed. I'm kind of in the exact same boat as you. I think they're very comparable. Um, but like if I had, if I was given the choice, I want to go with Javante Williams. I just think his explosion level is just so much fun. So Kenneth Gainwell, what do you, uh, what do you think of him? Well, first of all, Memphis has become a little bit of a running back school. Running back year. or like specialist school. Well, see the yeah, thing is with him. Yeah. He lined up at receiver a lot. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for that guy, and we're going to get into some others, uh, Demetric Felton out of UCLA and some other guys that are maybe more in that mold where they are third down receiver types. and then all, But um, Gainwell had like what, like 1,500 yards rushing. So like those are big numbers. Like yeah. that's, and that's he's, not a gimmick back. I mean, he's 5'11", 191. Like he's relatively solid. He looks – when I see him on the field, though, he felt small to me. 
I yep. don't know what it was. He just felt small. Uh, I actually kind of comp him similar to James White. I think James White is a better runner, but I Who think ran Gainwell for a lot of yards in college at Wisconsin. Exactly. A pass catcher. I think, but I think Gainwell is is a similar style pass catcher. Might even be better when you split him out wide. Uh, than James White is. But out of the backfield, they felt very similar uh, catching the football. And I feel like he's very, very elusive, but I don't think he's a between-the-tackles guy. I no. think he is a early fourth round, early fifth round, somewhere between that range guy that you take a flyer on that could add some explosion to your offense, right? Like he could end up being a great special teamer, uh, a great kick returner, a great third down option late, or he could even grow up into a very good third down option. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't see him getting a lot of between the tackles runs uh, or being like super high valued. How many guys, like, is this a draft that's loaded in the middle tier, like the third to fifth round guys? Like, do you think that's the sweet spot in this draft? Yep. Yes. Now you got to pick the right one for the skill set, the offense, all of those things. But, yeah, it's the typical year where you're like, wow, there was a lot of running backs that either this year or last year rushed for 1,300 yards, had 1,400 yards. And you're like, huh. Like, I mean – you know where Kenny Gainwell would be good? Like, he'd fit great, like, in an Indianapolis system, right? Where he's only required to come in on third down for a guy who loves checking down to running backs, which right. allows him to play in the open field. He's going right. to get the ball in short yardage areas, and then he's going to kind of make, make plays in the open field. Because I think the yards after the catch is what will allow him to be successful in the NFL. But you think about it, like, all these guys, and there's so many guys, if you go back, and Shime, you probably know this from fantasy purposes more than, than real-world purposes, like, these guys that teams draft in the mid rounds and then convince themselves like, Oh yeah, he's our running back or he's our third down back. And he's sort of a, like a name for a couple of years. And then he's gone. Like he's Vanishes. either cut traded away, maybe gets one more shot with one other team for like a short spin. Like I'm trying to like Jay Ajayi maybe, or like any of these guys that are like names and then boom, they just like, Hey, where did that, whatever happened to so-and-so and you're like, he was the hot item for a hot minute. Yeah. I- it's it's weird. I I don't know. He's it's tough with these guys. I think these guys are the toughest to project in the NFL because, like you said, like they could be in for two or three years in that rookie contract, and then it's like, nah, we're moving on from this we guy. Get Whether it's, we get cheap. yeah, yeah, we get exactly we get cheaper. We are changing up the offense a little bit. Whatever it is, it's just like they're very replaceable, and it's unfortunate for them. But it's very rare that guys like this get to the NFL, break out, and sustain a long period of time. Okay, so let's talk about a couple guys that – actually, there's a few guys that I think people are familiar with the name, but Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo had a silly year where he had, what is it, 19 touchdowns and six Seven games. in one game. Yeah, like putting up silly numbers, sort of a, a, a power back without the power size. I mean, we were talking earlier about our guy Williams. He's 5'10", 220. I think Patterson wants to be sort of a powerful running back, but he's 5'9", 195, so – Hard to live as a power running back at under 200 pounds in the National Football League. Like, he wants to play big, but he isn't big. Well, he could probably um, play like that in that conference that he played in, but can't play right. like that. Yeah. But, you know, he's a three-time 1,000-yard runner. Um, scored he a lot almost had 1,800 yards in 2019. That's insane. And 0.0 receptions in 2020, which yes. not a good uh, number for his future along – I mean, especially, again – Five nine one ninety five, and you're like you literally can't catch the ball. You don't catch the ball. You just want to run. Like I don't know. That's a name. And then the the other end of the spectrum I would go to is the guy I brought up earlier, UCLA, um, Felton. You know, yep. five nine one eighty something. 
was a wide receiver, then became a running back this last year and had a pretty good season as a legitimate running back. Um, from everything I read, you know, impressed people during the Senior Bowl week and did some things in the game in the Senior Bowl. And knowing the Patriots and over the year, like J.J. Taylor is an example, a lower-level example undrafted. But over the year, I know Bill has loved some, like, trying to think of just some of the guys that he's lusted after, even Percy Harvins of the world. The Tavon Austins of the world. Yeah. And I just want – and not to mention Chip Kelly, UCLA, the relationship. They obviously were out there for us, um, Asiasi, last year. And just wonder if he's a guy that makes sense. Yeah, I think Felton kind of fits that – that quarter of Patterson rule where like he can kind of line up as your running back, line up as your slot guy, play special teams. And like, right. if you can do all those things in Belichick said, he's like, Oh, I got a great special teamer. And he can play slot for me. And he can run the football for me. This is great. Like, this is the perfect, this is a Belichick guy, right? Like this is, like you said, the relationship with Chip Kelly, the way he plays, it just makes sense that Dimitri Felton would be a guy that Belichick would target late. And, and I, I think that I wrote, he's, he's one of those. And, and I agree with you because Patterson's the same thing. He's yep. more of an idea than yes, like exactly. production. Like you yep. have this idea of what he's going to be. Who is that kid, too, that got drafted last year? Uh, it might have been the other kid out of Memphis. Lynn Bowden. Like, that idea, right? Where it's right. like an idea where he's not actually a physical athlete yet, but it's more of an idea right. than an actual thing. Right. And I, I think that's what Felton is. And that's not say to say he couldn't have a nice career being Agreed. that. I, I don't know that you're ever a star or ever, like, the no. centerpiece of anything. But, but like, right. Cordero Patterson's had a nice career. He's played in the league right. for, what, 10 years? Like I would say been- the one difference is Felton – realized he was that more in college i, I yeah. mean patterson went in the first round i think people thought he was going to evolve into a True. number one type weapon target and he never has he's made his yeah. money as a kick returner and as you said sort of a i mean there's been plenty of an offensive coordinator that said oh patterson i know what to do with him and then eight weeks in they're like yeah there's really not much more you can do with him he is <laughs> he, they he cut is. him exactly. well, daniel's kind of rejuvenized his career by being able to could give him the ball as a running back. I guess not McDaniels, just based on all the injuries to the Patriots. The team, right. Yeah. Well, and then Chicago continued that last year. Like, right. even just to spell right. Montgomery, they'd have right. Cordero Patterson in the backfield. But if he was um, – if he, you know, was making plays like DK Metcalf down the field, they wouldn't be saying, oh, we got to find ways to – he's our backup running back. And yeah, he's exactly. Nope. Nope. They'd be saying he's our number one receiver, run deep and make big plays, buddy. Do you yeah. say both those guys get drafted? Which guys? Felton and Patterson, sorry. I think Felton definitely gets drafted by somebody. Patterson's an undrafted guy who has to earn his way in preseason action. You just don't think the numbers stand out and you get a stupid team that says, oh, he had all these touchdowns. There's too many guys. There's too many guys like that. And you look at him and you're like, you have to talk yourself. No, he might. I mean, he can open eyes. I think he could sneak into the sixth round. Like, I mean, DJ Dallas was drafted last year. And like – I don't know. Patterson kind of jumps out a little bit more than that. So I think there's a chance Patterson gets drafted super late, but I think Felton's right in that anywhere from late three to late five range. Like he can get drafted by anything. Exactly. There's just a lot more upside there. I think he's easier to talk yourself into than, Mm -hmm. than Patterson, who is. I completely agree. Like what's, I I just don't even know what the upside is. The guy didn't Um, even catch a pass in 2020. Like what is he doing? Yeah. In the, well, the good news is Patriots, who knows what they're going to do offensively. Maybe they won't throw a pass. So That's he'd be also fit. fair. A um, couple of other guys that I watched and just, you know, not sure exactly what you thought of. One guy late actually wasn't even on my list. I don't even know how I added him. But Larry Roundtree III, the kid out of Missouri, um, he was a four-year guy, 
lots of carries, mm -hmm. lots of yards. I mean, I think he's a backup probably in the NFL, not necessarily a pass catcher, mm -hmm. but just watching him because he's, I don't know, I may have never seen him before, before I started this process. Um, I kind of liked him. He runs through tackles, showed good balance. Like he's a run, I wrote better running back than athlete. I don't think you're ever going to be wowed by what he can do, except yep. for the fact that you're like trying to, oh, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Never in my life did I ever think Ben Jarvis Green Ellis was impressive, right? Never yeah. impressed me with anything. Except, you know, I never had a 1,000-yard season. There's lots of guys that never had a 1,000-yard season in the NFL. He got to 1,000 yards. So the production or the execution is the impressive part. That's kind of what I thought about Larry Roundtree, the third. So uh, Roundtree never made it onto my list. Uh, he was one of the guys that I have yet to even look at yet. It's just – I. I don't know. I was never excited by him. Uh, one guy that I am very excited by, though, that I do want to mention, Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma. The way this kid runs is fun. Like, he is just a strong, physical runner. Uh, he loves to dominate on the second level. Like, he gets through that linebacker level and into, into the safeties, and he is, he is going to destroy you. Uh, the yeah, he's a bully, and I think he cuts very well. Like, it's very smooth. It doesn't feel jerky or stiff. Uh, I actually kind of comp him to, like, Aaron Jones out of UTEP, like in that similar mold uh, where once he gets to the second level, like, he can destroy you, uh, and then he cuts really well through the hole. So I really liked Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma. Um, would you, while we stay with Oklahoma, thoughts on uh, Chubba Hubbard? Because I know he was a – a big guy coming into what last year he had the big year two years ago, two thousand yards. Um, I made a loving, but um, probably not all that positive comparison for him. Cause I'm sorry. I cannot poo poo anyone who runs for 2000 yards no. in high school, in college, in the, if, if you run for 2000 yards, you did something right. You're good. Um, that, that being said, I just don't really see him as a great NFL running back. Um, there were a lot of just like, there's the hole. I hit the hole. I'm gone. Like, I didn't feel like he did anything. Mm -hmm. And he reminded me actually of a guy from my town, Jordan Todman, who I believe oh, rushed for yeah. 2,000 yards. UConn. Yeah, oh, yeah. And NFL was a kick returner, a special teamer, Chargers, bounced around right? a little. What's that? Chargers. Yeah, Chargers, yeah, yeah. Jaguars, Colts, like bounced around and had good top end speed. Didn't really wasn't overly explosive in terms of his lateral movement or his cutting ability, and that's kind of how I look at Chuba Hubbard. Just has the speed, can break away, and again, not going to pee all over a two thousand yard season. But I don't see a future. Yeah, like so. My exact note was he's a very patient runner, but he doesn't explode through the hole as strongly as I'd like. Pretty smooth runner, decent catching ability in the open field, and like that's it. Like it's just like. There wasn't a lot – like, it's just he hits it and he goes. And yep. I think I think one of his highlight tapes is literally, like, labeled just, like, sprinter. Right. And I'm like, yeah, he's just an open field sprinter. That's all yeah, he did. The like, ball's there. He's going to hit it. Yeah. Like, he could see it and he'll hit it and he'll go. But, like, he didn't he didn't impress me. No. It was just I, kind I, of a I, – I had this weird feeling that he could end up being decent, but I just – I don't see it. Like, I need to see him – I wouldn't need to see him play Alabama. I needed to see him play Notre Dame or or, or just bigger schools that were going to punish him more. Right. Uh, and I just – I never got that. Okay, so let's go in a different direction, Co. So Treba Hubbard, 2,000 yards, but we're uh, unimpressed. Um, Trey Sermon is a really interesting guy. You read my mind. Low – what's that? You read my mind. I was going to bring him up next. Well, Perfect. 
didn't produce really. And then the last we saw of him, he was 310 yards. Yeah, well, so you say yards, and then whatever he did against Clemson, like 190, and it's like, well, where was that? Should I should I believe that or or what came before that? So, like to be fair, you say never produced, but on average, I mean, the guy was averaging seven yards a carry, like no. his entire college career. I know, but like, <laughs> I just like, don't think he. What, he what you right. saw from the finish and what you see from the guy, like he looks the part, right? Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Um, I just feel like he should have been better. And that's one of those where I'm like, maybe I'll take him because he can be better. He will be better. Maybe I'm, he hasn't gotten the most out of himself yet. So I think, I think Trey Sermon to me, and this is kind of how I looked at him, could be very on par with like this year's Nick Chubb, right? Like where he's drafted later, he didn't wow you in college as much as you hoped he would but then gets to the nfl and you're like oh crap this guy's actually really good right um and and i so like he was my dark horse candidate to be like the best later round pick see i i think he could because i don't think he i agree i think he has all the tools i think he's he's similar to trevor lawrence in that he does all the little things right but he doesn't like like trevor lawrence excels a lot of those things too sermon doesn't necessarily excel at anything but he does everything well. Right. And so, like, he's just so well-rounded that I think in an NFL – he could fit into any NFL system. So, I think he could get a job anywhere. I agree. In that sense, I would say, okay, so Chubba Hubbard, 2,000-yard season. I don't think Sermon ever broke 1,000, did he? Uh, no, he had 947 was his highest in 2018. But if you said, which one would you take? I'll take Sermon. I'll t- yeah. I think Sermon the has only, more NFL upside. The only the only way I'm taking Hubbard is if I'm playing with Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay in that zone read run option whatever shit. Right. Uh, when it comes to Sorry, like I Trey Sermon though, you. sorry, I apologize. <laughs> uh, Trey Sermon, uh, Trey Sermon, however, could fit yep. in the Patriot system. He could fit in Miami. He could fit in Houston. He could fit in Arizona. It doesn't matter. You place him anywhere, and he's going to be able to help your team. And, and I I just think Trey Sermon has a better upside. Uh, another guy that I put uh, th- littered throughout here, I have little PPs for potential Patriot, when guys I thought could fit them. Um, Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State, 5'9", 215. Um, just looking at some of his numbers, uh, 514 career carries, 20 touchdowns, whatever. I, he looked like a guy – he actually reminded me of Damian Harris, and I think okay. his size is probably similar to Damian Harris. Like he looked to me on film like I was kind of watching – Damian Harris run. So as like a later round backup type, um, mm. I could see him. He, he runs with power. I don't think he has great speed. I think he's sort of that early down committee back, early down backup back, whatever you want to call it. But I think he certainly has some NFL potential. Okay. Another potential Patriot guy I got for you, uh, Kylan Hill, Mississippi yep. State. Yep. Uh, PP next to him. Yep. See, there you go. Same mindset. Uh, he's very shifty. He flies around the open field, which is fun. Another guy, though, that is could be a James White type replacement, catches the ball well, also could play special teams at least early on. Like one of those guys that just has that feel. He kind of reminds me of like Chase Edmonds out in Arizona. Like he's not like he's not a stud, right? But he's a guy that's going to come in and do his job and do it well. Let me ask you a question, a general question here that just popped up because I was reading my notes on him and he opted out of the 2020 season midway through the season. Mm-hmm. What are our thoughts on all the um, 2020 opt-outs before the year, during the year, late in the year? I guess this almost ties into the old days, like bowl games, guys not playing in bowl games. But what, do we, what do we think of all that? 
matter? Is it bad is what you're saying? Like, how I don't do we- know. Like, the opting out mid-season, I don't love. Not the gonna mid-season, lie. I don't love, especially if you look at, like, if their team is losing, like, then it probably stands out even more. Right. Yeah, and he just, was averaging under four yards a carry and struggling, yeah, like, and it was only catching passes. He wasn't running. It was like, I'm not having fun, so yeah. I'm going to leave the team. Whereas, and I mean, there's plenty. Like, Micah Parsons didn't play all year. Great prospect. Jamar Chase didn't play. Caleb Farley. Like, some of the other guys, like, you can think of why and different reasons or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just something about opting out midway through the season. It feels like quitting a little bit to me. I, I agree. And, like, that 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 was the big question mark, I think, especially with a guy like him. Um, but, like, I don't hold that against a guy who sat out the whole season, right? Like, we – again, we didn't understand COVID right. as well. Like, there was a lot of circumstances around that. Um, and even guys that are like, I don't want to play in the bowl game. I don't want to get hurt at this point. Like, I don't really hold that against them because I like, either. I look at a guy no, and I go, if, if he's really good, I want him on my team. I don't really care. Cause in the NFL level, they're not going to do that in big games. I, I guess this is my way of saying, I don't like him opting out midway. That's no, fair. I, I, I can respect the that. bowl game. I agree with you. If you, I mean, national title game, I'd be pissed if I'm yes, a teammate. That's like, fair. Playoff game. But just out of the toast, uh, the whatever, the playing in the cheese, it's bowl. Who cares? Right. The poinsettia bowl or whatever. Yeah. I don't, if you want to opt out and you're like a legitimate pro prospect, no, I have no problem with that. Agreed. So, I, yeah, I guess it was just the midseason thing. Um, the other guy that was interesting to me, and I know we'll probably wrap this up, this guy, I didn't love him. Um, but Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech, he transferred from Kansas where he did like nothing and then kind of had a big year for Virginia Tech, kind of a one-year wonder type guy where he maximized um, sh- nothing special to me. Um, I didn't see elite speed. I didn't really see anything to fall in love with. But, but again, a guy averages 7.6 yards a carry. You're like, well, I mean, somehow he got it done. So it's, it, I like that, but at the same time, how many, how many times do you think an NFL team's going to look at it and go, hmm, he was in college for five years. Come He's on. already kind of old. Uh, running back shelf lives aren't that long. Uh, I think I'd rather go with the younger guy here. No, I agree. I agree. I just, anytime a guy has sort of a breakout, you have to add, like, I mean, you're a big yeah. believer in the whole yep. Tannehill Gase thing. And yep. clearly the Panthers are a little bit of a believer in that. They think they're going to get Sam Darnold. It's, it's like, why is the guy not playing up to his potential? Or why did he pop for a time? Can I get that out of him more regularly? And plus the guy's nickname is Juice. And the guy's running that's back name fun. is Juice. I mean, that's a, that's a running back nickname before you kill somebody. And one of the things uh, you'll, you know, I, I always say when in regards to wide receivers is breakout age, right? Like what age do they break out? Because I know if you're a 19-year-old dominating 21-year-olds, you're going to be fine in the NFL dominating 27-year-olds. Right. And, and so for me, like a late breakout age is always something I need to look into. Was he hurt? Were there extenuating circumstances? And I think a transfer is one of those things that might be, it. you know, at his previous location, it just might not have been a great system for him. Right. Whereas Virginia Tech may have benefited him more. There was the whole Jarrett Stidham discussion. Oh, if he wasn't in Auburn's shitty offense, he might have been better. I did it again. I'm sorry. It's fine. Uh, if he wasn't in Auburn's crappy offense, he might have been – he might have better numbers and been a first-round pick and blah, blah, blah. Like, so I, I – and I think that stuff matters. I think system matters. I've always, I've always felt that way. Okay, so before we wrap this up, one running back that will be a Patriot come April, whatever, 29th, 30th. Um, the guy I want, as you know, is Javante Williams. The guy I think they'll take is – honestly, I think they might take uh, Michael Carter. I think they might try and take a stab at Michael Carter, the guy who was paired with Javante Williams. The wrong Tar Heel. Don't like it. Um, Trust me. I'm going to go with Felton. 
I think that um, that seems like the safe pick. Chip Kelly connection, the idea that he can replace James White slash maybe Rex Burkhead combo somehow with his versatility. Um, eh, something smells funny about Demetric Felton, so I'm going Felton. I got none. I think they like JJ Taylor. He's basically their drafted guy. Okay. Okay. It's possible. That's very fair. They could also just sign some undrafted guy, some schmuck guy that we've never yeah. heard of. Sure. Or maybe a guy we just talked about but didn't get drafted. Right. True. Uh, Andy says we're going to combine the wide receivers and tight ends next week. I think that's so just pass catchers. Nice. Yes, pass. pass catcher. Well, because the tight ends kind of suck after. Uh, yeah, Pitt, it's just so. it's just Pitts and then like Fryermuth right? like the next one, right? Yeah, yeah. and then it kind of really peters out after that. That's yeah. why Bill signed two tight ends for like $100 million. I was smart. <laughs> so we'll have that coming next week. Sean will be back. Andy, what do you think? Early next week? Yeah, early next week we'll talk receivers because while we're crapping on the tight ends as we preview that podcast, the wide receiver position oh, is loaded. locked and loaded yet again. If you like them skinny, great option. If you like them explosive, great option. If you like them big and strong, great option. Whatever your tastes, there's a wide receiver for you. I think Lance Zerline even said, he's like, I know everybody loved last year's class, but this year's class might be even better, which is it, crazy to think. It could be. And that's great for the NFL, big oh, picture. If oh, you yeah. start stacking two and three wide receiver classes, all of a sudden you have the core of a passing game for like a decade and a half. Yep. Fantasy galore. All right. We'll be back next week with the pass catching uh, dra- draft podcast. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs>